You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. We believe that to be successful, you have to capture the imagination of your athletes. And there's lots of ways to do that. One way is to do that by creating great race experiences. And I think we're really good at that. The other way is, you know, how do you tell stories that are going to be compelling to people? And how do you find ways in which not only can you tell those stories, but deliver those stories to people in a way and through, you know, a set of media that are going to be receptive? That was Andrew Messick. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Welcome, and welcome back. If you're an avid listener, you know I have a thing for running and triathlon. So it should come as no surprise that I went to the top of the top to get you the inside scoop on what's happening in the world of endurance sports. In the spirit of triathlon, this episode is one of a three-part series with three unique guests from the Ironman group on the history, growth, and future of the Ironman Triathlon Series and Triathlon, the Rock and Roll Marathon Series and running, and mass participation sports events around the globe. We also cover the philosophy and approach behind the cities where these races are held, how the events impact economic development and tourism, some additional industry insight, including Andrew's thoughts on the Professional Triathlete Organization, also known as PTO, and we do a deep dive into the coaching programs and certifications now offered by the Ironman Group and where that business is going in 2020. On this episode, I sync up with the president and CEO for the Ironman group, Andrew Messick. Andrew shares the origins of Ironman and how a competition between friends in the Navy has inspired the evolution of the world's largest mass participation endurance sports company, the Ironman group. Andrew and I talk about Ironman's early roots and its first races to its now 41st consecutive year of growth and the game-changing acquisitions positioning the Ironman Group as the world's largest mass participation sports company with triathlon, cycling, mountain biking, and running. We sync up about Ironman's digital expansion with their brand new website and new Ironman training companion app powered by Peakers, as well as a successful content partnership with Facebook Watch. Andrew also shares his career trajectory from the NBA and AEG Worldwide to the Ironman Group and how the global experience positioned him for this role as CEO. And of course, the training and races that fuel Andrew for success. As part of Wanda Sports Group, the Ironman Group is the largest operator of mass participation sports in the world. And it provides more than a million participants annually the benefit of endurance sports through the company's vast offerings. Beginning as a single race, the Ironman Group has grown to become a global sensation with more than 235 events across 55 plus countries. If you haven't already set some fitness and training goals for 2020, 
I am confident that after listening to this conversation, you will be on your way, whether it's signing up for your first 5K or an Ironman. I hope you enjoy what you hear. Please leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Open up the Apple app on your phone, your iPad, your computer, wherever you listen. Scroll past the 98 plus episodes. Click on the five stars. Click on leave a review and tell us what you love about the podcast. Also, please feel free to share this episode with your friends. Tell them to listen, subscribe to the podcast, and share it in your Instagram feeds or on Facebook and social media. We'd love for you to share what you love about this podcast. Before we get started on today's episode, I wanted to share a few words about our sponsors, Mad Ritual CBD. Today's episode is fueled by Mad Ritual CBD. Mad Ritual CBD has changed my recovery game in a really big way. Get ready to recover like a rebel with these awesome, high-quality, CBD-infused products. Their CBD balm is off the charts amazing. And I'm not the only one that thinks so. Mad Ritual has 100-plus five-star reviews. The balms have five simple organic ingredients, coconut oil, shea butter, olive oil, plant wax, CBD, and different blends of essential oils. Personally, I prefer the eucalyptus and peppermint. They also offer a terrific CBD-infused total recovery supplement. Not just for athletes, the products are formulated to ease all of the aches and pains that come along with being an active human. So, if you are sore from life, Mad Ritual gets it. Founded by women athletes and active entrepreneurs, they are committed to helping active folks bring more balance to their lives. Mad Ritual is offering Marnie on the Move listeners 15% off. Head over to their website, madritual.com, and use the code Marnie on the Move. Now, on to the episode. Thank you so much for inviting me to your office today and being a guest on the Marnie on the Move podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. Have you had a chance to look around a little bit? Yes, I did. I even tried one of the bikes. For a little company, we've, we've gotten to be relatively big in yeah. the last few years. Huge. Before we get started, I'd love for you to share a brief history of where Iron Man began and where it is today. Well, we've come a long way in the last you know, 40 plus years. You know, what started out as a, a challenge between Navy guys uh, on, on Oahu and Hawaii in 1978, where you know, there was a disagreement around whether the Waikiki rough water swim around Oahu bike race or the Honolulu marathon was the more grueling endurance event. And those were the three you know, premier endurance events in, 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 uh, in Hawaii at the time. And so they decided to do all three on the same day. They said, we're going to come back in a few weeks and we're going to do all of them on the, on one day. And whoever finishes first, we're going to call him the Iron Man. And, and the Iron Man had for a, a substantial period of time been a term that was used in the military for the person within a unit who was best at PT. And so like the PT champion of, you know, a platoon or of a battalion was, was called the Ironman. And so the Ironman came from that, that military heritage, uh, 13 finishers the first year. And, and from, from then on, uh, it started to grow. And, uh, and after 1980, 
we have yet to have a year where we didn't have more athletes racing with us than the previous year. And so this is our 41st consecutive year of growth. Wow, that's amazing. And Ironman Group is part of the Wanda Sports Holding Corporation. And during your time here as CEO in the past five years, you've acquired Rock and Roll Marathon Series in 2017, South Africa's Cape Epic Mountain Bike Race in 2016, Le Sports Endurance Event Portfolio, and formed a 10-year partnership with the Abbott World Marathon Majors in 2017. So that covers triathlon, running, road cycling, mountain biking. Are you planning to expand the portfolio down the road into the ultramarathon and swim run space? And if so, I'm happy to introduce you to Matt Scott. We also are trail running business right now. And, and we have two races that are part of the Ultra Trail World Tour, Ultra Trail Australia and the Tarawera Ultra Marathon in New Zealand. So we started in around 2014 and 2015 to evolve from being a long distance triathlon company to, to being a real mass participation endurance company. And so we, we learned and we realized that a lot of the capabilities that, that our companies developed over, over the years in terms of marketing and sales, operations, you know, we have boots on the ground all over the place. Mm-hmm. We have 26 offices in 16 countries around the world right now. That, that a lot of those abilities and competencies that we've developed are applicable in other segments of the mass participation industry. And that if you have the ability to work with communities, work with cities, work with sponsors, and and be able to deliver great athlete experiences, you don't have to just focus on long distance triathlon. You can be a running company, you can be a mountain biking company, you can be a trail running company. And so part of what we've really done is is to say, you know, we don't just want to be the dominant long distance triathlon brand in Ironman, which, which we are, but but we feel like there's a role for us to play within our company to to do more and and that's been an exciting development over the last few years that's really amazing and before you joined the team at ironman as ceo in 2011 you had a long-standing career leading major organizations in sports from your early days at the nba and aeg sports to now your position as ceo of ironman group over the past five years so where did sports and athleticism begin for you have you always been an athlete at heart were you training and racing while you were at Sara Lee or McKinsey? So I've always, you know, I've always been a bad athlete. Uh, I've always <laughs> had a ton of enthusiasm, but, but very little talent. Sounds and, like me. And, and so, you know, I ran cross country and track in high school. I played rugby in college. Uh, I've, you know, been riding my bike since I was 12 years old in the, in the mountains of Southern California. Uh, so I've always had a passion for being a part of the endurance world. But I, I really became engaged in the endurance world, like a lot of our athletes, uh, around when I turned 40. Uh, I was living in New York City, was working for the NBA, and decided after realizing that, you know, I was, you know, fat and out of shape and, you know, my back hurt and, and, and I wasn't physically active. And, and so, you know, like a lot of athletes and a lot of people in the Ironman community, you know, I started a process and a path of you know, sort of reclaiming my fitness and my body and started to set goals. And I did St. Anthony's in 20, uh, 2005, I think. It was the first triathlon I ever did in my life. And, and then increasingly started saying, all right, I'm going to, 
Did you I, have I friends bigger. that were doing it or did you just independently just say, I want to do triathlon? So I, I independently said, I want to do triathlon, but, but my wife got recruited by team and training in New York city. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so Earl Walton, who, who now is in charge of our coaching and development program here yes. was, was, you know, my wife's first triathlon swim coach. Oh, wow. And, uh, and so, you know, there's a really vibrant culture of triathlon in New York city and, and it's, amazingly and this this really surprises people it's an astonishingly good place to be a triathlete yes and there's great places to swim you can ride your bike in the park or across the bridge and go up into new jersey on 9w and you can run in the park along with everybody else you know do as much or you know as as you want to and you could never leave central park and you can like be a phenomenal runner so i i became re-engaged sort of as an athlete after you know, 15 years of not doing anything and found like a lot of athletes uh, and a lot of people in the Ironman community that, that it fundamentally changed me in ways that were really, really good. So after I'd been at the NBA for seven years, had an opportunity to to move to Los Angeles and lead AEG's uh, sports business. You know, we had the Los Angeles Galaxy, the Staples Center, the Kings, the Amgen Tour California bike race, the Beta Breakers running race. And you know, because I'd been riding my bike my whole life, uh, I, I gravitated to the to the Amgen Tour California. It, it's still an event that I think is you know fantastic, just a, a superb event to be able to bring really top tier cycling to to the United States and and to showcase you know bike racing at the highest level. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. And then I got recruited after I'd been there for four years. I got recruited. To, to come here and to be a part of this job. And I think the fact that I was an Ironman athlete helped. Uh, the fact that you know I'd run companies before helped. The fact that I'd worked internationally. And at that point, I lived in the Netherlands and Norway when I was a child. And my wife and I lived in the Netherlands, the UK, Australia, Canada, before moving back to, to New York for the NBA. And so I'd, I'd worked abroad a lot and had worked when I was at the NBA, really focused on international issues. So from that perspective, it, it made, you know, I, w- I was a good candidate. I understood the brand, I understood the culture, I understood international business, I'd run companies before. And so it, it put me, you know, it, it positioned me really well for this job. And of course, you know, if you have the crazy passion of Ironman and, and, uh, and you have an opportunity to, to lead this organization, yeah. it's... Uh, it was it was pretty easy. I mean, you've done incredible work here now in the last five years under the tenure of your being CEO. I mean, from the international expansion and all the races in China, that's huge. The key thing is is we've always been an international brand, and, and you know, from the very beginning, you know, there was Ironman New Zealand, there was Ironman Canada. You know, very early in the piece were were the races at Roth and 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 in Japan, but from a really fundamental perspective, we were a very, very American-centric con- company. And, and when I arrived, you know, Kona's, you know, the, the world championships ha- has always been in Hawaii. And 70.3 world championships had always been in the United States, you know, first in Clearwater and then in Las Vegas. And I think the company fundamentally viewed everything through a U.S.-based prism. And, and we needed to change that. If, if we really wanted to be a global brand, we needed to, to give more respect to the rest of the world. And so rotating 70.3 worlds was, was part of that. Really building out our international management teams and giving 
you know, our, our leaders of, of our businesses around the world, more autonomy has been part of that. And putting races in new parts of the world has, has been a big part of that. And, and I'm proud of what we've done uh, and what, what our teams have done, you know, to expand Ironman and Ironman 70.3 into Latin America, into Asia, into Eastern Europe, uh, into the Middle East. And all of those have served to strengthen the brand, to create new athletes, to create passionate pools of Ironman people, not just in the core markets, you know, right. the, where, where we've always been, you know, United States, Canada, Japan, Germany, Australia, New Zealand. But, you know, now there's crazy Ironman athletes everywhere. Right. And, and it's great to see them. And it's great to go to a world championship event like we had in Nice, France in September right. or, or in Kona and see this tremendous diversity of athletes. The global expansion is amazing. Mm. I mean, it just opens up the platform for racecations and people who are diehard Ironman athletes to travel and explore new countries and cities and places and also opens up the field for the pros to compete. So that's really, really great. In addition to all of these amazing races, you have done a lot with your digital suite of products, which I know that you are spearheading. And I wanted to start with talking about your partnership with Facebook and Facebook Watch and what you're doing with the Ironman events. And then talk to me about the Ironman events and Facebook Watch. Well, I, I think it starts with you know a, a really fundamental shift in how people consume media in this day and age. And, and that for you know, years and years, people consume media on television and by reading newspapers, and and that's changed, and, and it's changed with the advent of, of mobile devices, and particularly people who are, you know, younger, people who aren't racing in the men's 55 to 59 age group, right? like I am, you know, consume media on handheld devices, on, on tablets and phones, and and if we want to continue to be relevant and accessible to people, if we want people to be able to to be exposed to to our content we have to make those kinds of adjustments and we have to get better at, at being able to create mobile content and and so our partnership with facebook is is really you know that's one of the anchors of that strategy uh, facebook's a great partner they are supportive of, of building sports properties uh, it's a extremely popular and uh and deeply penetrated a platform among our our athletes and and our consumers. You had 3.5 million viewers in 2018, and then 4.5 in 2019. That yeah, so incredible. so, so in, in, it's not just the platform, but it's it's the ability to tell our story the way we want to tell our story. Right. And we're not constrained by 90 minute network television windows, and so you know, we can broadcast Kona in its entirety, starting with body marking at 4:30 in the morning. And you're going all the way into the closing ceremony at 1 a.m. And so we have the ability to be able to have 20, 21 hours of constant broadcast. And you can only do that on a platform like that. Right. And so you know, it's been great because it's allowed us to be able to tell our story more fully, to be able to highlight you know, our professionals and age group athletes in a way that we hadn't been able to before. So you know, we're really putting a lot of effort behind all of our digital initiatives because we want to be able to to continue to be relevant and effective as you know our consumers change and as their their preferences and their needs change we need to be able to deliver against that and and so you know we've made 
you know, really substantial investments in the last few years in, in those areas. And the Facebook Watch content is everything from race coverage to short form content, interviews with athletes, coaches, professional athletes. You know, interviews, you know, uh, updates and feedback on, on the course, on course conditions, what's the right type of equipment to be able to use. Uh, the, it, it opens the door for, for us to be dramatically deeper in many ways and to be able to provide the type of content that, that our athletes want because some of them are focused on, you know, I want to watch the pro race. Some of them are saying, I'm doing Ironman Lake Placid in, you know, three weeks time. You know, what, how should I gear my bike? Should, right. you know, what kind of wheels should I use? There's a whole series of technical questions that matter to our athletes and using these types of platforms enables us to be able to, to provide content that, that addresses their more direct needs. And so based on the success of Ironman on Facebook Watch, you've also now opened it up to the Rock and Roll Marathon series, which I know you acquired in 2017. We sort of touched upon it earlier in our conversation. So tell me a little bit about when you acquired Rock and Roll Marathon. I know there's 30 events. You're expanding that. And how are you going to be programming Facebook Watch with the content from Rock and Roll Marathon series? Well, the Rock and Roll Marathon series is... You know, it's one of, of a tiny handful of mass participation brands that either is global or has the potential to become global. And so we like the brand because it is, you know, it's very it's a very different brand from Iron Man. You know, the, the rock and roll brand is much more focused on people who are earlier in their mass participation endurance careers. You know, there's more first time people. Uh, it's more focused on the pillars around music and community and you know the, the core running experience and and so we think though that those races are are ones that are you know super compelling to to runners by and large the rock and roll marathon races are the largest running events in the cities in which they're held and and we think that you know the capabilities that we have as a company enable us to to be able to make those races better. As we're thinking about the Facebook Watch platform for those events, we think that there's an ability to tell a different kind of story. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then what you see when you watch the broadcasts of you know, the New York or London or, or, or Berlin marathons. And, and so to focus more on running clubs, on you know, in-country athletes, on people who are earlier in their journey to become elite athletes uh, and so we're really f- trying to focus our our storytelling in those areas uh, and, and we're and we're excited and we're encouraged that that the, we think we've got an ability to tell a different kind of running story than uh, than people have historically seen so when will you launch that our, our first race was in Las Vegas okay and and then we did San Antonio last weekend, and and we'll really kick off the series in earnest with our first rock and roll race in 2020, which is in Arizona. Amazing! And so another really cool digital program that you've introduced mm-hmm. is your new comprehensive digital all-in-one training solution for Ironman triathletes called Ironman Training Companion, powered by Peakers. Tell me more about this app and what inspired you to build this. Well, we, you know, we know that about a third of our Ironman athletes around the world use coaching. Uh, and, and we believe that irrespective of 
your level of proficiency or talent or seriousness about the sport that it's more likely that you're going to have the race that you want if you have a coach. Coaches make you better. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of different flavors of, of coaching and there's a lot of different oper different types of engagement that our athletes want. Mm -hmm. Some people want the attention of you know of, of a dedicated person that they can talk to you know, once a week or once a month. Some people you know want to get you know a, a very standard training program and they can get that from triathlete or from any number of other like sources. something downloadable that they can just put on their calendar. S something something like yeah. that. But there's also a bunch of people for whom for for a bunch of reasons that they're looking for something different. And so having a partnership like the one we have with Peakers where we're dealing with a largely digital but not entirely digital type of program that's driven by sort of high-tech AI uh, functionality has the ability to to create a different type of service for potentially an untapped market. And so we think that there's there's a meaningful segment of people for whom not having a person, mm -hmm. but having something dramatically more than you know just a, a very standard training plan that it, that reflects their training, reflects their progress, reflects their performance, and reflects all the complexities of their lives. So that's you know it's if you can't do the swim on Wednesday, or if you know you have to go on a at, trip out of town suddenly. Your training plan can get automatically rejiggered using AI to be able to get you to the same training end state okay. that you want. And so there's a lot of a lot of technology in there. And we think that that for a segment of our of our athletes, that's gonna be a really good service. So it's sort of somewhere in between. Sort the of somewhere in between. The, the telephone conversation and workouts on your calendar. Correct. Which is great. And I yep. noticed the the pricing is sort of somewhere in between also. Exactly. Which I thought was really good. It says it's $90 a month and $90 then $60. $90 a month, $3 a day. So it's available on all platforms, on yes, Apple, on Android. Excellent. Who are the coaches on the platform? So there's, there's, a whole, there's a whole team of people that are focused on providing the content. And are they from the Ironman coaching app program or is it totally separate? Uh, they are interrelated. Interesting. So I love this. It's a great idea and definitely something I would download as sort of in between the personal coach and everything else. Anything is possible. This is your tagline mm -hmm. and it is front and center on your amazing new website. So tell mm -hmm. me about this new design and navigation. Well, I think the feedback that we've gotten from our old website was it was, it was hard to find races and in that and so the redesign of our website was really focused on how do we provide better opportunities for people to find events that could work for them right. and, and to provide more and better information on those races. And so, you know, there's a million things that you have to consider when you're, when you're redesigning any site. But, but our true north in this was how do we tell a more compelling story about our events and how do we make it easier for people to find an event that's interesting to them. And so some of the features about the type of swim, the type of bike, the type of run, weather, airports, that type of stuff, you know, historically has been harder to find. And we really chose to put it front and center so that 
if somebody is considering an event, we're trying to make it as easy as possible for them to get to, you know, an, an event that works for them. I mean, it literally spoke to me. Like, oh, yeah. wow, this whole rating system of the swim and the run and the bike and yep. the weather. That was amazing. It's great. It feels like all of your digital offerings and next level event experiences, you've really been listening to your consumer over the past few years. You're really listening to the athletes and really capturing and engaging them. Is that Was that a big part of your program with the redesign and the app and engaging athletes beyond just the races? Well, I think that, that we believe that to be successful, you have to capture the imagination of your athletes. Right. And, and there's lots of ways to do that. You know, one way is, is to do that by creating great race experiences. And, and I think we're really good at that. The, the other way is, you know, how do you tell stories that are going to be compelling to people? And, and how do you find ways in which not only can you tell those stories, but deliver those stories to people in, you know, in, in a way and through you know a set of media that are going to be receptive. And so it's been a big change for us and and we're really in the middle of an evolution not away from being an operating company because I think event operations is always going to be, you know, the beating heart of what we do, but but to be a much better commercial company and and to be much better at telling our stories and and finding ways to get those stories in front of you know, the people who will benefit from them. And, and so that's been, you know, our, our, you know, we've, we've had changes in our leadership group and we brought right. in, you know, very senior, very capable people to be able to lead new parts of our business. And we've made huge investments on, on all of the digital and commercial sides of, of our company, because we think that in a fragmented media environment, we're being exceptionally good at capturing the imagination of consumers is going to always be a an area where you you can be highly successful. Speaking of consumers and races, what's going on with the Professional Triathletes Organization and the Collins Cup this year? So tell me a little bit about that and how Ironman is involved. Well, you know, the PTO tried to buy us at Kona last year or or, or earlier this year, which uh, from Wanda. Yeah, okay. yeah, they. Uh, they, they sent us a letter saying they wanted to buy us. Wow. Which, you know, it was, uh, it was interesting. You know, they're a nonprofit organization that, that it, I, I believe is funded by, by membership dues of, uh, of professionals. So putting aside, you know, how that was going to work. But, you know, the PTO has been around since, I think, 2016. And, and so they are pretty active right now. You know, they are in the process right now of... Of looking to secure a commitment of professional athletes for you know, their, you know, the Collins Cup, which is going to take place in I think at the end of May, uh, at one of their one of their European venues, and you know they've reached out to you know a large number of of professional athletes and are offering, I think, a couple million dollars of appearance fees to participate in the Collins Cup in May, and you know. We've got professional athletes calling us left and right saying, you know, what, what, what should we do? And, and I think our view is and, and has always been, you know, to be supportive of our professionals. And, you know, a single race with, you know, millions of dollars of appearance fees in, in our world, you know, doesn't make any financial sense. In our business model, it's not a rational economic act. But everyone has their own 
their own reasons for doing things. And so, you know, the professionals have said, you know, you know, should we do it? And and we've said, if you've got an opportunity to you know make a hundred thousand dollars in appearance fees to go to one seventy point three, take the money. Yeah. And so, you know, it conflicts uh, with a couple of our races: Ironman Tulsa and Ironman Brazil and Florianopolis. And we're okay with that. Someone is going to win. Yeah. Ironman Brazil, and that person is going to be an Ironman champion. That person is going to qualify for Kona. That person is going to win prize money. And the same in the same in Tulsa. And so, you know, there's always a, there's always going to be people who want that. And so, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, but it's interesting and we'll see how this initiative develops. Hy-Vee was, was there for a while offering right. huge prize money and, and then that didn't continue. And Island House was out there for a while. Right. Our view has always been professional triathletes. It's not an easy life. And, and it's not like being an NBA player. And so if people have a viable opportunity to earn money, our view is and has always been, take it. And so, you know, we'll see where this goes. Yeah. But, you know, a couple million dollars infused into the wallets of our professional athletes, that's a good thing for them. Right. Rising tides yeah. raise all boats. So we'll see what happens. And what do you think about, speaking of seeing what happens in the future of triathlon, where do you see mass participation in endurance sports going in the next five to 10 years? I, I think mass participation sports are going to continue to grow. And I mean, there's a couple fundamental tailwinds that are, that are driving our industry. You know, one of them is just, in the Western world at least, an epidemic of obesity and, and, and a series of other serious medical implications that are essentially linked to physical inactivity. You know, people have never been less healthy. People have never been less active. And increasingly, companies, insurers, governments are realizing that one of the most effective ways to improve the health of their population is to get them moving. Right. And, and so we think that we're going to continue to be the beneficiary of, of forces driving people towards getting up off the couch and doing something. And whether that's a 5K, whether it's a 10K, whether it's ride your bike around the, you know, around the neighborhood for a half an hour, a few right. times a week, we think that more forces in our society being unleashed towards getting people to move is going to help the industry and will encourage and support race organizers who organize opportunities for people to get together and be physically active. The, the other fundamental trend that we see and that we believe in is across the world, particularly in emerging markets, we're seeing enormous growth in the mass participation segment. And that as people move into the middle class and the emergence of the middle class in, emerge, in, in less developed markets is, is one of the great trends of the last 20, 30 years, we're seeing that people, once they have enough resources to worry about food on the table, shelter over their heads, and education for their children. They're spending more time and effort on their own health, on being healthier. And so when we look at what's happening in the industry in the Philippines, in Vietnam, in China, in Latin America, in Eastern Europe, right. what we're seeing is more and more people flowing into our industry and more and more people racing 
And we believe that both of those trends around physical inactivity and around economic development, particularly in the emerging world, are ones that are going to provide a tailwind for our industry for, for the foreseeable future. And a lot of that comes from running. Running is sort of the, the gateway into triathlon, into other sports, whether it's a 5K, going yep. into a half marathon, going into a 70.3 triathlon. It's the entry point. It's the and, entry point. And the entry point is the base of the pyramid, you know, whichever analogy you want to you wanna use. But, but that's where people start. And, and as long as we're thoughtful about making sure the base of that pyramid is healthy, yeah. our events tend to be more towards the top of the pyramid. Right. And, and that's not an accident. That's a choice. So we care a lot. If, if the base of the pyramid is healthy, we're confident that our races will get our fair share of athletes. And so, you know, we want to do everything we can to, you know, to, to have a healthy mass participation ecosystem. And that rolls into the thought process of why you acquired Rock and Roll Marathon and also have a partnership with the Abbott World Marathon World Majors. Marathon. Absolutely. Yeah, majors. So we're, we're now the, the largest running company in the world. And, and it's because we have races all over the world. And so, you know, we think we want to continue to be you know, and an important and vital player in, in that ecosystem. Speaking of running and triathlon and sports, you are so busy putting all these events together and organizing these amazing experience for athletes around the globe. What do you do and what's on your bucket list? What race do you want to do in 2020? So it's an interesting question. This year I completed my Abbott World Marathon major six-star journey. So I'm now one of 6,700 athletes that have done all six wow. of the marathon majors. And so I did, I ran uh, the Tokyo Marathon in March, and then I ran Berlin in September. So, you know, I've done lots of triathlons. I did uh, my fourth Ironman in 2018 at Ironman Lake Placid, uh, which is a, a marvelous event. And I've never completed a mountain bike stage race. And, and so that's on my list. I've never done an ultra trail run before so that's on my list and so there's a there's a whole bunch of interesting challenging things out there and and I think I'm like like anyone else you know, you want to have a race on your calendar yeah and, and you want to you want to have I need to have my 2020 races on my calendar before 2019 is over yeah me too I just did it like last month because otherwise you know it's really hard to get out of bed in January yes January is a tough month even yeah. in Florida <laughs> even in Florida so, Amazing. so I well, think like, like everyone else, it's important to have a challenge in front of you. Yeah. So everybody should sign up for their first Ironman after listening to this. <laughs> I, I think, you know, and, and I talk to people all the time. It doesn't have to be an Ironman, but I think everyone should sign up for something. Yes. And, and it can be a 5K. It can be, it doesn't matter what it is. What's dramatically more important is that you're making the commitment. Yes. That, that you're going to do it. It makes a huge difference. And you tell your friends, and then you start working your way backwards. Yeah, to, you're accountable. Like, what do, what do I have to do this week so that the race that's coming in however many weeks isn't a total personal catastrophe? Yes. And and that's what gets you out of bed in the morning to, to train. This has been so awesome. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram 
and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events. I want to hear from you. Email me, MarnieOnTheMove1 at gmail.com and let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.